What is up, my friends, and welcome to a Vacation Vibes episode of the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your favorite team every single day. And apologies for getting this episode up a bit later than usual. I am uh, off work today and have been since Wednesday, which was Canada Day. And uh, I'm off till next Tuesday, meaning I'm spending extra time with the family. Uh, yesterday we went to a beach, which uh, was very nice. It's called Long Point here in Canada, and it's one of my favorite spots. Today we went to a pool, and it's uh, hot as hell up here right now, so very nice to be near the water. Before I get into all that, let me remind you that I'm your host, Ian McLaren. This is episode 170 of the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast. Very much appreciate the support up to this point. And for those who have subscribed on Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, Pocket Casts, wherever you get your podcasts, you can, of course, uh, subscribe. Each new episode will be uploaded to your feed for you to download, enjoy, rate, and review. You can find the show on Twitter at LO underscore Boston Bruins. I'm there at Ian C. McLaren. And I should mention that today's podcast is brought to you by rockauto.com, the best place on the internet to get all the auto body parts that you might ever need. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts. Yeah, all the parts you'll ever need. That's what I said. I believe that's everything by way of introduction. I thought I would begin today's podcast by just giving a brief update on the NHL and the Players Association's attempts to uh, come to terms on a return-to-play slash collective bargaining agreement, and details are continuing to emerge, and here's the latest. As of late Friday afternoon, July 3rd, from Elliot Friedman of Sportsnet, he says the updated rules will carry through 2025-26. I believe the CBA was set to expire in 2022. Is that correct? At this point, it's fairly clear that the agreement will include NHL player participation at the 2022 and 2026 Winter Olympics. That's been a very important sticking point for the players for quite some time now, and it's a trade-off for kind of the negative aspects of this agreement for the players, one of which is a flat salary cap of $81.5 million for next season, 2020-2021, and keeping it there until revenues hit $4.8 billion. And at this point, it appears as though that could take a couple of years, so through 2022-23, possibly, meaning it's going to be a flat salary cap for a couple seasons to come and that could have major implications for the Bruins seeing as though they you know have to re-sign not have to but key player in Tory Krug is an unrestricted free agent uh Anders Bjork, Jake DeBrusque and Matt Grizzlick are restricted free agents and then after the coming season whenever that happens uh Tuka Rask and David Krejci will also be unrestricted free agents so that could be a blessing in disguise as some money comes off the books from there high cap hits maybe they resign them at lower uh kind of team friendly deals in order to keep them around and help them finish off their careers in black and gold or maybe they take whatever money 
is available from a team that is closer to the floor and uh, the Bruins, you know, kind of move on from there. But that is a question for the 2021 offseason, whenever the hell that actually happens. Right now, we're looking at, well, first a 2020 Stanley Cup playoffs and moving towards a 2020-2021 regular season with some dates that we will uh, get to here in a moment. Everything to do with escrow and all that is kind of boring. Let's get into the details for the return to play plan. Anyone has the right to opt out without penalty. Hockey culture being what it is, I'd be very surprised if many players chose that route, maybe for exceptional circumstances that everyone will no doubt understand, but just the regular guy with nothing to worry about other than being apart from his family for a few months, I can't see that really happening, although I would completely understand if that were the case. They'll be pre-testing before anyone travels to their hub. In the final week before everyone arrives, they'll be asked to stay home as much as possible besides going to the rink. Testing will take place on a daily basis, and each team will have a set time each day depending on their schedule. From what we know right now, it looks like Edmonton and Toronto will be the hub cities. Pretty clear that West will be in Edmonton, East will be in Toronto, although there may be some debate as to whether that's fair, which we'll get to uh, in the mailbag portion of the podcast. Face coverings will be mandatory at all times in the bubble, social distancing being practiced, including restrictions on the number of people allowed in the lobby and on elevators. Everyone will get their own room. There will be rules if someone needs to leave for an emergency in terms of if re-entry will be allowed and conditions for that. Um, In terms of key dates that we're looking at moving forward, here's the rundown per Bob McKenzie of TSN. First of all, what needs to happen is that uh, the two sides reach an agreement, and then once that happens, it will have to be passed by the 31 Board of Governors, which should be all right, and then also a vote By the Players Association, every member needs to vote on it as well, and a majority needs to be reached in order for it to pass. So that could take a couple days. But here is what the framework is looking like. July 13th, the beginning of Phase 3, which would be training camps. Around July 26th, teams would leave their home cities and go to the two hubs, Toronto and Edmonton, to begin Phase 4 on August 1st. Now, on August 1st, this will be the beginning of Phase 4, the preliminary or qualifying round, which would be the uh, eight best-of-five series played by teams 5 through 12 in each conference. On August 10th, uh, the losers of those series would be put in Phase 2 of the NHL Draft Lottery, and so we know that the Eight losing teams each have a 12.5% chance of securing the number one overall pick. So that will happen around August 10th or 11th. Um, Around this time, the official Stanley Cup playoff rounds will begin. Best of seven series with the teams that have qualified as well as the top four teams who will have played a round robin to determine seeding. 
Early October is when it's projected that a Stanley Cup will be presented. Mid-October, the NHL draft would have to happen pretty quickly. And then November 1st would be the day that free agency would begin. And that brings us back to, um, you know, Tory Krug and his decision. Now, either way, it looks like the Stanley Cup will be awarded on Canadian ice for the first time since 2011 when the Boston Bruins won in Vancouver, uh, sparking riots. And obviously our hope is that the Bruins will once again emerge victorious. So all this is, again, uh, pending an agreement between the league and the Players Association and also uh, ratified boats. Boats? No, not boats. Votes uh, from either side. Before we move on to the mailbag part of the episode, I wanted to talk for a moment about rockauto.com. I mentioned off the top that they're the spot to get auto body parts online. It's pretty cool because they're a family-run business. They serve auto parts customers online for over 20 years now. If you go to rockauto.com, you can shop for auto and body parts from literally hundreds of manufacturers. Everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or your daily drive, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered right to your door. Their prices are always reliably low. And if you go to rockauto.com right now to see all the parts available, write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so that they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts you will ever need at rockauto.com. Now the first question in this week's mailbag comes from my good friend Beth at Iver Oyuit, who asks, would the Habs or the Bruins have the objectively higher advantage of playing in Toronto for the majority of playoffs? I'm assuming this has to do with the fact that they are Atlantic Division opponents and have traveled in and out of Toronto quite a bit, a number of players from Southern Ontario as well. And here's the thing. I've seen it debated on Twitter whether or not, uh, you know, the Eastern Conference should play in Edmonton and the Western Conference should play in Toronto to eliminate home ice advantage for not only home ice advantage, but also just the comforts of home for both the Oilers and the Maple Leafs. That doesn't really make sense in terms of time zones and Western, like, Western Conference teams playing Vancouver, if they make it, playing in Toronto and having their fans have to watch games at 4 o'clock, that kind of thing. I don't really think it'll matter as much in terms of home ice advantage because there will be no fans. The Maple Leafs may have a bit of a comfort factor, you know, being in their own locker room, although maybe the league will stipulate that it's just whoever the home team is gets the nice locker room, things like that. I think the Bruins and Habs... I don't really think it, it'll matter at the end of the day. Uh, Bruce Cassidy kind of tongue-in-cheek said last week that it would be nice to play in Toronto because of the familiarity they have in the playoffs and some success. We know how um, well they did in Game 6 of the first round last year. I think their record in the last couple of years is actually like 3-3, three and three, so it's not really that big of, a, of, a, of an advantage Excuse me. Been into the cider a little bit this afternoon. All that to say, 
I think the major advantage for the Bruins is they're good. Uh, the Habs, I don't think it'll matter much because I don't honestly see them beating the Penguins in the qualifier. No offense, Beth. Uh, but uh, as for the Bruins, you know, it might give them a little bit of, a, of an advantage. Bergeron and Marchand uh, played there in the World Cup. And, you know, I really think that um, it all comes down to the best teams on paper, who's freshest, who's able to um, gel quickest after this long break. And I think that is an advantage to the Bruins, as I've talked about before, how, you know, they we were able to rebound from the loss to St. Louis and come out of the gate strong. There's a real cohesiveness to this team that I think will serve them well more than where they're playing. Uh, Adam at El Soldo, he asks, who was the best player to have played less than a full season with the Bruins? And why is it Thomas Coberley? I immediately responded by saying, you mean Stanley Cup champion Thomas Coberley. And he said, so rude of me. Stanley Cup champion slash dinner delivery driver Thomas Caberlet. I don't know if you saw the story early on in the quarantine that he had been spotted delivering uh, some meals for his wife's restaurant, which was pretty cool, actually. Um, I guess I can't really say Jerome McGinley because he was signed for a, a full season with the Bruins. He didn't play all 82 games, but um, I'm... Assuming Adam means more of a, um, you know, trade deadline acquisition kind of thing. I was super jazzed about Rick Nash being acquired by the Bruins. He was always one of my favorite players. And I really uh, very much wish that his time with the Bruins had uh, been a bit more positive. That, you know, he hadn't been concussed. That he was able to make... Um, some noise in the playoffs for the Bruins. I was really sad about how that all played out. Uh, going back even further, you know, there was the acquisition of Sergey Gonchar and Michael Nylander back in the day. That was pretty exciting. But I think if you're asking who was the best player to have played less than a full season with the Bruins, it would have to be Yarmir Yager. He's, you know, up there in terms of all-time points, longevity, uh, he had that classic moment in the playoffs where he said his favorite player was Yarmir Yager. And um, although it didn't pay off in 2013 and he had a bit of a disappointing output in the playoffs, um, I'll always remember fondly seeing Yarmir Yager uh, playing with and for the Bruins. The final question comes from the Locked on Ducks podcast, which is hosted by Stimpy JD, Jason Hernandez, he asks, We here at Locked On Ducks are highly excited about the Mighty Ducks film finally streaming on Disney+. Plus. With that said, of the three films in the trilogy, which one is your favorite and why? Now, Jason, early on in the quarantine, I did uh, some movie Monday, and I don't know, I guess we've just had it up here in Canada the whole time because I watched all three movies on Disney+, Plus and reviewed each uh, on consecutive Mondays. So if you want to go back and listen to those, I guess back in March or April, uh, Movie Monday, for my full review of each of the Muddy Ducks movies, I think if I had to pick one, the third one was just unbearably not great. Very problematic on several levels. Uh, the first one is a classic. We know 
Uh, you know, the mythology of the Mighty Ducks really comes from that movie, uh, the Triple Deke, Flying V, all that kind of stuff. But I think number two might have been uh, the best of the bunch, uh, to be honest. And uh, if you want the full analysis, go back and listen to those three episodes, uh, Movie Monday on the Mighty Ducks. As always, thanks to those who sent in questions. It's basically a weekly thing that we do here on the Lockdown Boston Bruins podcast. If you ever do have any questions at any time, feel free to hit me up at LO underscore Boston Bruins, or you can also email LockedOnBostonBruins at gmail.com. Now, one of my favorite musical artists, his name is Derek Webb. I subscribe to his Patreon to have the privilege of getting his weekly podcast, which he calls the Quick and A, Quick, Quick and A, Quick and Dirty Q&A podcast. That's what today's kind of is. Uh, as I mentioned, it's kind of vacation mode around here. So I'll just end with some news and notes from around the NHL. Uh, one amazing update is that Flyers winger Oscar Limblom recently completed his chemotherapy treatments for a rare form of bone cancer and uh, just uh, something definitely to be celebrated. I have personally been through that journey with my wife who had breast cancer a few years ago, which I mentioned a couple weeks back. And uh, to be able to ring that bell to signal the end of chemotherapy is a real joy and uh, all best wishes to Limblom and, and hopefully he's able to uh, come back and play for the Flyers at some point. If you remember, they were one of the hottest teams in the NHL prior to the break until the Bruins beat them 2-0 uh, on the last game before the pause. Another note, I mentioned Tuka Rask earlier. Our old friend slash foe, Joe Haggerty of NBC Sports Boston. I don't mean to say foe. We did have a, a relationship at one point where we followed each other on Twitter that went awry after I made a joke about his bio. Joe, if you're listening, which I highly doubt, I apologize for that. That was uncalled for. I do and say stupid things on Twitter from time to time, though not as much anymore, uh, mercifully. Anyways, uh, Haggerty was thinking about Tuka Rask's future. He's, you know, in line to win a Vesna trophy this season, or at least be a candidate. Uh, of course, Haggerty can't write about Rask without mentioning the fact that he has not won the cup as a starter in two attempts. And a flat salary cap will make things interesting when it comes to looking at Rask's future with the Bruins in 2022 um how much he'll command at that point remains to be seen Haggerty suggests a two-year 10 million dollar deal might do the trick if Rast decides to stay and if he does not choose to retire at that point um you know typically players can sign extensions one year out from free agency so that would have been July 1st uh but Looks like that will be November 1st. I'm assuming those rules will still be in place where a player can sign an extension at that point. So it'll be interesting to see whether the flat cap allows the Bruins to do something sooner than later or they wait to see how he performs next season, again with Yaroslav Halak backing him up before uh, opening up those contract discussions. Uh, so yeah, flat cap will really be interesting for a number of teams, although the Bruins are 
surprisingly uh, better off than really most uh, of the competitive teams, uh, which is a real blessing for the Bruins. Right now, if you look at cap friendly, they're kind of middle of the pack when it comes to uh, cap space and uh, teams like the Maple Leafs, the Stars, the Blues, they, they might be in trouble uh, when it comes to the cap, uh, especially the Blues if they want to re-sign Alex Petrangelo. Anyways, that's it for today's episode of the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast. Thanks for spending some time with me, and I hope you all have a great 4th of July weekend. Um, Stay safe, stay smart, stay distanced, and put a mask on if you're around people, please. That goes a long way to help uh, curb the spread of COVID-19, although all credit to my Massachusetts friends where it seems like that's about the only state where things are. Uh, well in order so good on you for there i salute you for that all right friends that's it have a good one talk to you again on monday peace